Drax is the largest provider of renewable electricity in the UK and plays a critical role in ensuring a secure energy system. The company has plans to invest billions in new infrastructure, such as bioenergy with carbon capture and storage, which will create thousands of jobs, whilst also delivering the energy needed by homes and businesses up and down the UK. Discover more at Drax.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, Spectator's daily politics podcast. Joining me today is Spectator's editor, Fraser Nelson, and David Laws, the former coalition era minister who now chairs the Education Policy Institute. Now, Fraser, on Coffee House Shots yesterday, we discussed Sunak's conference speech and his smoking ban, and as we've also discussed about his net zero announcements in HS2, but we didn't really cover his big education policy. Tell us that. Well, to me, this is actually the biggest announcement of all of them. A-level reform is a big subject, needless to say. I've got a personal interest, I should declare. I've got, I'm a father of um, three children, aged 10, 13 and 15. And these kids, as any parent would tell you, have been through quite a lot of turmoil recently. With lockdown, with the GCSEs changing, they get their head around what's what's the 7, 8 and 9 grade. Within the A-level grades changing just incredibly. I mean, um, so it, it turns out that getting an A last year was twice as rare as getting an A two years before. And then you've got the introduction of new T-levels, which the government's doing. You've got also the bizarre situation where people in Wales and Northern Ireland are being given A-level grades more liberally than they are in England. So it's a massive mess that, obviously, as a parent, I feel sorry for the kids having to navigate. It makes it very difficult for them to plan their future. This is quite a, a common conversation point amongst the schoolgate dads, because, of course, I also know parents who've got kids who've gone off to university. And it's quite common to find out those plans were really knocked for six by the lack of predictability. So the kind of path which James, you and I and David all had to to university was actually quite straightforward and laid out. Now these kids are playing this, um, this game where the rules seem to keep changing all the time. Now, I am a Scot, and I went to um, a Scottish school, and I did five hires, and I was grateful for the broadness of that. We Scots always think that the A-level system is too narrow, just three subjects specialised early, and us Scots also tease the English for segregating the words people from the numbers people at too early an age. So I am completely open to the idea that A-levels need reform, but to announce this at a party conference is a surprise, and also to declare it as some kind of conservative value admission just seems to me to be a very odd and rather alarming way of going around something which, in my view, would ideally need bipartisan support. It would need years, absolutely years, of consideration. You'd have to bring in new exam boards, they'd have to work out what it would be, the teachers would have to catch up, the universities would have to know. And when the Tomlinson Review did this, David Martin will remember this, in 2003 under the Blair government, they said, yeah, we'll do it, it will take 10 years. And Blair and Charles Clark, the education secretary, they didn't do it, thinking it was just too complicated. And sometimes things can be. So I am a bit surprised to find this wheeled out as the rabbit in a Tory party conference hat. And a bit concerned about the automatic politicisation of this thing. So I, I would rather this had come in a very different, more neutral uh, form of conversation. David, what's your reaction to the speech and that announcement? Yeah, I think Fraser's right to say that party conferences are not perhaps the obvious occasions to announce really complicated long-term reforms of this type that require um, multi-party cooperation. When I was a coalition minister, I remember Michael Gove often saying to me that, that there ought to be a ban on announcing any new policies at party conferences. 
I can sort of see why with things like this. Now, to be positive, firstly, about the announcement, there are a couple of things that most people in education will see about it, recognize and approve of. Uh, the Prime Minister was talking about the fact that our hours of study for uh, sixth formers are pretty short compared with the rest of the school system and other countries. That's undoubtedly right. So having more hours for education in the sixth form uh, makes a lot of sense. And as Fraser said, we also have quite a narrow curriculum by the standards of most other countries. And there is some uh, education research evidence that actually that narrow curriculum isn't necessarily the best thing for, out for long-term outcomes for young people. But there are some really big, uh, serious implementation and issues of substance around this, which could lead to any reform going badly wrong. And it's worth noting, and Fraser sort of nodded to this as well, that the record of political interference in the qualification system over the last couple of decades is not a happy one. We had Labour's diplomas, which were introduced with huge expense and didn't catch on and were abolished. When I was in the coalition government, we toyed for a while with something called the English Baccalaureate Certificate to replace GCSEs. And Michael Gove and I uh, decided to can that after a few, month, a few months after we announced it. And only now the government's trying to introduce T-levels, which are almost, you know, looking like they're going to be abolished before they've taken off the, the launch pad because they will all go into this mix. People also forget that at uh, the age of 18, it's only about half of young people in England who actually take A-levels. The others take a whole host of technical and vocational qualifications, uh, which don't fall into either the A-level or T-level sphere. And we have a huge range of abilities uh, for, for students studying post-16. So to create a new qualification that serves all of the people uh, range of abilities without either dumbing down the top or making it too difficult for students at the bottom, that is going to be a really difficult thing to do, let alone the question of whether we've got enough uh, teachers to, to teach the broader curriculum. Fraser, why is he doing this now? Well, that's a really good question. You've got to work out um, what theme unites. Take the four things he's done this week. One is um, scrapped a part of HS2. The other is to dial back on net zero. The third is to introduce a lifetime ban on smoking for those born after 2009. Um, so those two kids I was talking about, my 15-year-old will always be able to buy cigarettes. His 13-year-old brother will never in his life be able to buy a cigarette legally. And then the fourth one is A-level reform. Now, there's not a natural segue there because he positions himself as somebody who's breaking a 30-year consensus. So he's defining himself against what David and Michael Gove would have been done in the coalition years. This phrase, 30-year consensus, is intended to lump together Blair, Brown, Cameron, Theresa May and Keir Starmer. And he wants to define himself as the, the change maker, the reformer. And wants to come up with quite a difficult proposition that if you want change at the next election, then you need to vote Conservative because voting Starmer would give you more of the same. All of these things give him this intention to come up with policies that are going to start conversations, that are going to give him the impression of a very active man who wants radical change. 
And that certainly is the case with the cigarette ban. That's a big talker. At my breakfast table, they were talking of nothing else uh, this morning. And, of course, um, A-level reform again, a huge conversation starter. So I think what unites them is that they're all big reforms that would fundamentally change the way that we live our lives in this country um, and give the impression of a very active Mr. Sunak. But the other thing about um, is that he he feels very strongly about both of them. He's quite an abstainious chap, Rishi Sunak. He doesn't drink. It's not because he's Hindu. I mean, his, his wife drinks. He just he doesn't like the losing control. So he he basically sticks to water. And apparently, he, he does a good line of getting sympathy drunk with his colleagues when they're out. But the other now the other aspect of his religion, which I do think is underrated, is the emphasis which Hindus place in education. And for Sunak himself, he absolutely believes that the fortune he's had in his life was, you know, only to an ex- certainly to an extent down to his family wealth. He was a scholarship boy to Winchester. He wasn't from that rich a family. But he was given a world-class education, and with that education, he was able to have all of these opportunities. So I think he's motivated in quite a noble way, thinking that he would like more people to have the opportunity he had. So what can he do? And he always always felt very strongly that one of the things that private school kids get, which state school kids don't, is what David was talking about there, simply more hours of tuition where you're in the sixth form. For school day isn't longer, but in the state sixth form, there's a whole bunch of free periods, which is a way of covering up an absence of tuition. You know, you were given much more support in this 16 and 17, 17 and 18 years. Um, and I think that's what he wants to expand. So this is personal for him. I don't think it's cynical, although it does fit a general desire to present himself as an impatient man of action against um, sleepy Keir Starmer. It's interesting. I bumped into somebody in a government department a few weeks ago who's obviously quite well connected into things because he said to me, have you heard about this new plan to abolish A-levels that's going to be announced in a few weeks' time? And he was very surprised about it because he thought that some of the Tories currently in government, like Nick Gibb and uh, Michael Gove, would be horrified by it. And I said, well, what is leading Sunak to to go in this direction? And he said, my understanding is that they have something quite like it in California. And, you know, Sunak has seen the Californian model much more sort of diverse, broader curriculum, thinks we should be doing things like that in the UK. And that rather struck me as similar to another conversation I'd had with somebody about his views about the EU, who said that he'd spoken to Sunak out in California and didn't really get get why he'd voted to uh, leave the European Union as somebody who seems, you know, an individual who might fit quite neatly into the global elite. And this person said to me, you have to understand that, that Sunak does see a lot of things from a Californian perspective. And the Californian perspective is open markets, competition, deregulation. It, it's not the sort of European Union model. So there's a bit of me that wonders whether on education, on cigarettes, on European Union, on, on quite a few of his attitudes, we need to understand the sort of Californian uh, perspective. I think that... Um, Sadly, education looks as if it's going to be, you know, for those of us that are passionate about education and think a lot more needs to be done, it seems like it's probably going to be a second order issue in the election, in spite of the fact that Sunak made this announcement yesterday. And that's because at the moment, it's not one of the issues that the public is prioritising. The public's concerned about cost of living. It's concerned, understandably, about uh, inflation and interest rates. The NHS is clearly doing disastrously badly on 
on uh, delivery and outcomes and you know, immigration as ever is a, and small boats is a sort of bubbling issue. So other than the issue of concrete cancer schools, which sort of has cut through with the public, most of these other issues have not seemed as salient. And indeed, as Sunak claimed yesterday, the public probably think that compared with the rest of the country, the education system is in a comparatively good state. Now, that's where you know, Sunak's announcement doesn't really hit home because the, the sad truth is that since the pandemic and since probably 2017, a lot of the improvement agenda that went before in education has lost steam. We've begun to see disadvantaged students again falling behind the rest of the pupil population. The gap narrowing that we'd seen for 15 or 20 years prior to 2017 has not only stalled, but it's gone into reverse. And you don't actually create better educated young people by messing around with qualifications. You have to address the disadvantage that means that young people enter the school system way behind. You've got to deal with the issues of leadership quality and teaching quality in schools. You've got to deal with the impact of poverty on school outcomes. So bringing in a new 16 to 18 qualification, I fear is going to have very little impact on educational outcomes in the long term, and it's not going to reverse some of the quite adverse trends that we've seen recently. But David, before we let you go, what do you think Michael Gove will think of that? You must have spoken to him about A-levels. The two of you must have sat together quite a lot and discussed the future of post-16 education. Yeah, I mean, Michael um, uh, will no doubt uh, be uh, loyal on this uh, in public-facing fora, but... um, he is, I think, a sceptic of these types of changes. It's, he was Education Secretary, obviously, for a very long period of time and didn't go down this type of route. And I think he'll be well aware of some of the dangers that we've already discussed. As you said, um, sadly, over COVID, we have given back 10 years of progress in closing the disadvantage gap between poor children and the rest. And that really needs to be the focus. And Although the Prime Minister has said on a number of occasions that education is one of his big issues or the biggest issue, I think he said yesterday, and he was going to prioritise it in future spending reviews, I'm a sceptic about that. It's not on his current list of priorities. He's not focused on the key, uh, really urgent issue in education. And somebody who worked with him, who I know in government, said to me that actually education and schools were not things that he spoke about a lot, but really the bit of education he's focused on is the skills and productivity agenda for people going into the workplace uh, and impacts for young people who don't get good jobs or who struggle to get work. I'm not sure that his background or his focus to date has been on what it probably needs to be on, which is the, the big problems we've still got in our school system and on our early year system that mean that a very large number of young people get to age 16 without having mastered the basics of English, maths and many other subjects. That really needs to be where the focus is. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, David. And thank you for listening to Coffee Out Shots.